Hello and welcome to Fans Labyrinth, your favorite podcast where we talk about your favorite indie movies and genre flicks. My name's Joseph, and I'm here with my co-host, Lydia. Hello, how are you? That was a lot of favorites. Well, yeah. Well, you said to go, <laughs> and I just went. Okay? <laughs> because it is 9 <laughs> o'clock at night. Could... <laughs> we're, both, we we're both paused with our hand attacks. <laughs> our hands are poised. Who will get the pointing the finger at the other? We just spent 10 no, minutes dealing with your microphone. We don't have time to talk we, about this. I we will make go. time. We will stay so up until midnight. I've I don't been care. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, you said favorite twice in a row, and I think that's funny. Okay. Um, I finally got around to watching Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, wow. We're just, like, jumping right into it. Okay. We gotta go. We gotta show. Jesus Christ. This is a lot of manic energy for our listeners. This is what one Coke does to me. Jesus Christ. And he's not talking about the beverage. Folks. <laughs> one line of Coke. <laughs> one line of Coke. Could you imagine? Of cock. Um... <laughs> <laughs> stress <laughs> that's gonna be like the only thing that your parents heard oh god sure okay <laughs> because joseph is home for the holidays oh yeah <gasps> um <clears throat> um we w- we watched a holiday movie for today's episode so that'll come later as we yes. always say it'll be a surprise even though it's in the title we'll leave that for surprise. yeah that's, a surprise. Uh, that's the opposite of a surprise yeah but for now so I finally got around to watching Into the Spider-Verse. Have you seen it? Uh, no, because so many people told me that I should watch it, and it made me and not want to like, watch yeah. it. That's basically yeah. where I was at, too. Um, but it's, yeah, so I did watch it. It's obviously excellent. I don't think uh, I have anything particular to say about it. I just wanted to add to my thing that it is also awesome. And it's it's just cool to have, like, an animated movie not part of like so many other things totally separate spider-man the uh, universe than uh any of the marvel films or whoever, whoever sony marvel whoever owns the things yeah so that was super fun but yeah i'm not you you've said you don't you don't have too much to talk about so should i i only have three things so that was one um i have go, one or? and a half <laughs> um I'll, I'll go it's fine I watched um, the new movie Run with Sarah Paulson. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's like a thriller-ish type vibe. It's okay. I mean, Sarah Paulson's fine. You Mm -hmm. know, it's it's frustrating because I think she's probably a good actor. 
But she's been in so many goddamn Ryan Murphy things yep. that everything she does just feels like a Ryan Murphy character. It like it all just feels like melodramatic. Um and and even though this was like toned down, it had the same kind of like her character had the same kind of feeling where it was just like over the top to me. Um it's very like Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard kind of story where the daughter has a disability and a lot of like health issues and has since birth so she's wheelchair bound okay. um all of these things but then she starts noticing some inconsistencies so she's been homeschooled she's waiting for her acceptance letter cuz she's applied to colleges um no mail ever seems to come She's apparently supposed oh. to be switched to a new medication, according to her mother, but she sees the medication in the grocery bag, and it has her mother's name on the label, and then all of a sudden it has her name on the label. So, like, it's all okay. these weird so inconsistencies. So she yeah. starts digging more. Um, and I don't want to give away too much, but I think, like, because I said the Dee Dee Gypsy Rose thing, you can kind of infer that, like the daughter doesn't have as many health issues as the mother is like right. medicating her for. Right. Um, but she has the symptoms of those health issues. So the mother is giving her something. It's just not treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it turns into this whole, like trying to escape psychological thriller. Right. And it's fine. Um, I think given that we've had like several, dramatizations of the Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose story. It's kind of like overplayed at this mm-hmm. point. Like we've had a few true crime documentaries and docuseries. We had the dramatized show with Joey King. So it's like, it's kind of over now. Like that whole Munchausen by proxy thing is not psychologically that interesting to the audience, in my opinion. Yeah. Like it's been done in Law and Order. It's been done in Criminal Minds. It's been done with that particular storyline. So... I, I don't really know what you're supposed to get out of it other than, like, Sarah Paulson's the mom, and that's the big draw, but it just didn't really... It wasn't fresh enough. It didn't have anything beyond that. Yeah. You know, you're reminding me of it, and I think I might have talked about it on the podcast before, but it's it's interesting regardless, but there's a couple of um, Korean web comics that have that very... Not, not exactly that premise, but one where a gay guy is in love with another guy who's like seemingly straight, but like stalks him. But then it like reverse psychology where the, the straight guy just like as a power dynamic, um, you could basically say like breaks his legs and keeps him in the basement sort of thing. And it turns out he's like just a totally effed up person. Very interesting webcomic there. But the one that I wanted to talk about was one called bastard, which is actually about a kid whose dad is a serial killer, but looks, he's like a very bland, mild mannered looking man so like you don't know you don't know until it's revealed in the in the webcam at all it's not that much of a spoiler it's like within the first like three chapters or whatever that you find out but it's like he's so mild-mannered like you would never guess and then but then in the background his kid is helping him like clean up these murders and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and like lure people in as the kid and whatnot and it's just like super effed up and then his storyline is him like training and stuff like that to to eventually run quote unquote run or or do something else they did that, literally that almost that exact storyline in Criminal Minds mm. in like three different episodes with like three different versions of that storyline. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it came up a lot in that 15 season show. Which, I mean, it's 15 seasons, you yeah. know. It's going to get repetitious. Yeah. I guess Dexter's like the fun version. I mean, I guess. It also kind of reminds me of, do you remember that show Heroes? Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's Hayden Panettiere's character, who's like, got Is that the, the healing power. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's got the healing power. But then her dad is the man with the horn-rimmed glasses, and he's, like, super mild-mannered and, like, just right. a normal dad and seems, like, very, like, office behind a desk. But it turns out in secret that he's, like, part of that government institution that's hunting right. down all the people with the abilities, and he's, like, killing people. And you don't find out until, like... Or she, at least she doesn't find out until, like, season two or something. Um, but yeah, it just reminds me of that. Even though he's not technically a serial killer, he kind of is, because he's, like, literally murdering people. Um, there are so many, like, mildly good shows that have this premise of, like, like basically X-Men. Like, the world is filled with X-Men, like, what are we going to oh, do? Yeah. It's like, and half of them are basically, like, X-Men, like, Teen Titans and whatnot, and Umbrella Academy, but... Yeah. Um... Here's was like, a cool one that, unfortunately, just didn't... I guess it was the writer's strike or something happened. Yeah, it was uh, the writer's yeah. strike. It was doing really well. Like, not amazingly, mm-hmm. but it was, like, a moderately watched show. Like, people enjoyed it enough that it would have stayed on the air. But the writer's strike happened in the middle of, like, their fourth season? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just completely... Like, that show just got completely screwed. I think I quit just before that, but I was I was liking it up to the point I quit. It was just getting a, like, I just had a lull, basically. Yeah. And I just... Which I think season four, season five is usually when you start getting that, like, kind of weird trailing off, plateauing vibe with a lot of shows, so... I'm gonna double check the name of my next movie. And in editing, you won't even be able to tell that I'm taking you, forever You to watched it. And you don't remember the name. I think it's Let Them All Talk. Yes, it is. Okay. 2020 film. Starring Probably would have been Meryl a thing Street. to look up beforehand. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> I saw this on, it just looked like a pretentious movie on uh, Crave. And so I was like, okay, let's go. Um, I avoided it for precisely the reason you watched it. Did you, did you actually see this movie and avoid it? Or are you just making the joke that no, you No, I saw it. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it on Craig. Yeah. And I was like, God, um, that looks insufferable. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Because, uh, so the tagline got me. Because it was, of course, like, uh, an, the nephew of a famous aunt finds love yeah. with a literary agent. And I'm like, yeah. let's go. And the movie is kind of a mediocre version of this kind of pretentious literary world movie. But has Meryl Streep, okay. so she's awesome. Um, on it, like, God, watching it, and there's been, like, she is just such an enchanting person. Like, every scene she's mm-hmm. in, I'm just like, she's just being Meryl Streep. Like, there's literally nothing else happening. She's just being Meryl Streep, and I'm like, I'm in. Like, strap me And in. there's literally been, like, maybe... 15 movies that have come out in 2020 so like it's probably going to get nominated because <laughs> it's Meryl Street. so what it's about is basically Meryl Streep's character is a famous writer who is um she has a book that's very very popular that everyone loves and it's um you know a woman 
trying to find her life, but ends up getting divorced. And apparently this, this character has become super famous and everyone wants a sequel. But she's been writing super pretentious literary novels that she's actually won a prize and she's going to England. That's They're going on a ship because she can't um, fly in an airplane. But she what? can go on a... She's just one of those people, right? Um, oh, okay. So she, so she's taking a cruise ship sort of thing to England, and that's where the whole movie takes it place. Takes forever. Yeah. So it takes yeah. so long. So she's, I think, and it's a beautiful Titanic-like ship, and it's just about her, and she brings along two of her best friends from childhood who haven't seen each other for thirty years, and her nephew, who's just there, and he's like, I'm, I'm tagging along to like learn life from these great older women. Um, it's it, he's a very weird character because he just like sort of states things like that and just does it like it, very strange. Yeah, that is weird. That seems like bad writing more than anything else. Like I don't know how to like portray that this character is interested in this activity, so I'm just gonna have them say it out loud. That's weird. People don't do that. I think the main what I got out of the movie was that you meet all these characters and you have a first impression of them that's sort of stereotyped in different ways. But as the movie goes on, you realize in their past or who they were 30 years ago sort of thing and who they are now, the characters have, like, all these characters have information from both points and kind of them all getting back together, these three women who haven't seen each other for 30 years, kind of brings back those sides of themselves and and makes them question each other or become more defensive about who they are now so the the uh, the two friends would say to her it's like did she always talk that way because she talks in this very like affected type mm. i'm here to talk about the literary the literary establishment like you know like this very punctuated articulated thing and just like the pretension of literature is where it's, at. it's about finding the right words for things the right words for things will set us free. And this is the right kind of prize. You know, the Pulitzer, I won that, but that's not a prize by writers for writers. You know, that's what this one is um, that she's going to get and all this stuff. So she has this strange view of her whole literary uh, career and her agent wants her, of course. <laughs> she wants to find out what manuscript she's working on because she could be working on the sequel to the super popular one, which would be a huge boost for their agency and probably get her a prom- promotion. So that's what she's sort of up to. And it's it's very hard for me to articulate. I think there is something magical about the... It's not the best version of this thing. But what I liked about the movie is that by the end, you really get a sense of the kinds of regrets and failures these characters have, not by them coming out and just saying, I regret this or I regret that, but by the way they actually, in a way talk to and critique each other you you can kind of see it as types of projection and you see how they each are hiding parts of their own life that they're sad about or frustrated about and so in particular Meryl Streep's character it keeps asking to go for a, a drink separately with one of the two girlfriends and you realize basically she had a closeted feelings for for this woman that was never reciprocated and probably never in her life did she connect to those feelings fully. Um, you, you never hear about her having those kinds of relationships. Uh, but the other woman has has no idea and actually feels like sh- she knows that her life was the inspiration for the character in that popular book that hasn't gotten a sequel. 
And that character ends up divorced and sad by the end of the book or like looking for hope. And that's what the sequel that everyone's looking for. And she's like, I feel like my life has been dictated by this. And so she's out for, for money or success. But she doesn't realize that what's actually happening in the book is that the divorce should have led to their coming together, like of this relationship that could have could never happen. Right. But, and so they they're they're just seeing past each other, and their third friend is the one kind of seeing both sides. But she's not. She she can't fully understand what's going on. She just sees that there's a problem, and she's just like, I I wish you two to work it out. But what's weird is the nephew character. His whole thing is he kind of just says strange lot not not lies but like he instigates things constantly he's like so who is that person coming out of um i think i saw a person coming out of rachel's room like did, did you know she, she has a person over like why do you think she has a person over like what do you think this is about and he'll just gossip to like everyone and it's just like i don't what is the purpose of this character just trying to like stir up stuff so it's a movie that's just full of weird little puzzles like that which i i enjoy i like not quite knowing what a movie's about and feeling um, about it, but really the movie's carried by Meryl Streep's acting and just having a cool thing. Um, so I enjoyed it. It's, it's no, um, did I end up, okay, this is what I don't remember. I had it on a list. Did I end up talking about the squid and the whale in a previous episode? Maybe. I'm not sure. I, I won't talk about it again here, but that movie is like a really good family drama type, um, weird indie movie plot pretentiousness movie and one of the characters directly calls another character a philistine so i was like love that of course you do <sighs> you love oh my god just love hyper realism it's totally what you go for in your movies what does that mean it means the kinds of conversations that you like that take place in films are oh, not the which kinds are like of conversations ultra articulate have Right, yeah. like ultra arctic, yeah, yeah, yeah. What enchants no, you that. about film is a type of speaking that doesn't exist in the real world. Yeah, why? Because I thought you might have been like real, as in like maybe where people do every bit of talking over each other, where in the movies dialogue tends to be staggered more perfectly. No, so I, I no, thought no, you meant a different. Just, yeah, I just literally meant like the type of conversation that you will yes. never have. The Gilmore Girls aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. We all know the big one. I just... I have been so depressed. <laughs> so I've just been... <laughs> well, yeah, and... I mean, yeah. This whole season, and then, like, yeah, we've both had, like... Well, I'm the sort of season... in a stressful period, but you've had, like, a lot of bullshit happen recently. Yeah, I'm not so... going to go into it, because it's, like... No. Stuff but I don't want to talk about. We're feeling... It's not bad stuff, it's just stuff I don't want to talk about. We're feeling eccentric. Yeah, we're overwhelmed. We're feeling manic. Yes. Very manic, very anxious, very overwhelmed, very depressed. I'm the manic pixie dream girl. You're a Scott Pilgrim. In what world would that ever be the case? <laughs> okay. I was going to make a really mean joke and I had to like pull it back. Where's the alcohol? <laughs> but I want to say it so bad no, because it's genuinely Lydia. funny. <laughs> it's so funny. I was going to say... I'm not going to find it funny. Oh, no. Do you have seven regular X's, let alone oh. evil ones? That's funny. That's fu okay, I'll take that funny. It is funny! Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that one. Yeah, people making fun of my dating history is fine. Um, uh, but I am a beautiful Manic Pixie Dream Girl. That you can't make fun of. That's just true. 
Sure. <laughs> if you believing that makes you feel better, I'm going to let you have it. <laughs> this podcast got dark. <laughs> um, so anyway, depression. I have it. So do most people. Um, so I've been <laughs> comfort <God>. watching. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 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 I mean, not not my level, but at least a little bit of it. Um, so I've been comfort watching. So I, I've been watching Supernatural, and I think I talked about it a little bit the last time we recorded. Maybe. Oh, maybe I didn't. Fuck. I don't even I think, know. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's an episode that's I'm, sort of in the wind right now. I'm deep in the Supernatural weeds at this point. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm Wait, very so far in. Eight. <laughs> that's fine no that's fine i because there's 15 seasons right yeah so it's like how far okay what's the challenge how far do you think you'll be able to get to i don't know i'm because i'm right around when i stopped watching yeah because there so are there's things... fresh material look how exciting get going oh, good lord because there's <laughs> things i remember but then like there are things that i i totally don't so i'm not exactly sure where i left off or if i was sporadically watching right um but yeah, so I'm like probably two thirds of the way through season eight. So Metatron has just come in. Mm-hmm. I was still um, there. I was still around for this. Yeah. Okay. So you know where we're at. Um, I forgot how much I actually did really like Kevin, the the prophet for the word of God. Oh yeah, he was fun. Yeah, Kevin Tran. I'm in advanced placement. Um, I also like. It was last season Bobby died mm. and I forgot how, how much that like really made me like that hit me. I was yeah. so upset about it. And then in season eight, like I literally just watched this episode um, today in season eight, they don't like bring him back, but like Bobby dies in season seven and then he's a ghost for most of season seven. So he's still in yeah. the show and then they burn the flask so he's not tied anymore but somehow he ends up in hell Mm -hmm. so then as one of the like trials because they're currently trying to close hell they have to like get an innocent soul and like break it out of hell and send it up to heaven that's like one of the trials so they go and get bobby so then bobby's just in the show again for an episode and then he's in heaven i guess i don't know I, I don't really understand the mechanics of heaven and hell in this show. Cause there's like yeah, a lot very... of things that happen that don't make sense. It's okay. Can you name any character in more than like, te- that's in more than like 10 episodes who doesn't die <laughs> in supernatural? No, that's what I thought. <laughs> oh, maybe. Oh, Gabriel, maybe not Gabriel. What's his name? Gabriel um, died. Castiel. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, unless you count the season finale when he goes to super hell. Fair enough. For confessing his gay love for Dean. Well, that's you, that's at the end of the whole series, right? Yeah. He still yeah. dies. Unbelievable. Goes to, goes I, we to did, super I think hell. We must have talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, we did. That'll be a little... Because I hadn't, I hadn't when started... When we get that episode out, that'll be a little fun. Yeah. Little I hadn't started watching... Supernatural yet when I talked about it. I found out about mm. that on TikTok. Um, cause where I get most of my news. 
I like how you keep wiping your eyes, and I'm like, is this from the laughter? Is this from the depression? (laughs) It's just like, is this from the emotions from the show? It's also really dry in my apartment, so my eyes are kind of itchy, and I have an eyelash stuck to my stuck to my face. So that's mostly it. But anyway, um, so the show is bad. Really, is what I'm getting at. (laughs) Season seven was so many dick jokes because the like Leviathan guy, the main. Oh, that guy was so awful. Oh, my God. His name was Dick Roman. Like, his, like, meat suit's name was Dick Roman. Yeah. So every, everything, every comment that they make about taking him down was a dick joke. And it bleeds into season eight when they get Dean out of purgatory because Dean died again, I guess. Went to purgatory. God, this shit. I don't know. And like there's a there is more subtle nods to like homoerotic relationships between Dean and like more than just Castiel though that I didn't realize. <laughs> so upon rewatching, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, because <laughs> like they make a lot of gay jokes about the brothers in the beginning because mm-hmm. it's two men getting a hotel room constantly, so it's like low hanging fruit. Okay, can I and pause? then Castiel, yeah, so. I saw TikTok last night. This is so dumb. <gasps> You're but, on TikTok now? Oh, yeah. No, no. I, yeah, I, I go on TikTok like half an hour a day. It's bad. Um, oh, my God. Follow me. Add me on TikTok so that I can send you videos. Okay. Like, I will send you so many TikToks. So I ran into one, which was a guy showing his average conversation of how this goes, being like, um, so is this your brother? And he's like, yeah. And this is your date? Yeah. So your brother's your date? He's like, yeah, and what of it? And the person's like, that's gross and stupid. And he's like, you just don't understand. And like, this was the whole TikTok. So I immediately go to the comment section. What and people are TikTok like, are you on? what, the, like, what, what, this is such a bad joke. Like, what is this? What is this? Like, blah, blah, blah. And he replied to a ton of these just saying, it's like, it's not a joke. Like, this is just my actual life. And I'm just like, what side of TikTok oh. are you on? Just like, like How gay did you TikTok get to weird incest TikTok? Yeah. So that was. That I, was a. I'm on gay but, TikTok. But that's not okay, gay but TikTok. Even, okay, even most of the comments were like, "What the fuck is going on here? Like, why is this on my for you?" But so weird. I think people were like troll liking it, and so it just like spread, and people were like, "Things like this." Um, so weird. Follow me on TikTok though, so that I can send you videos. <laughs> that's all I want. I just want to send you TikToks. But look, I want Dean and his brother Sam. Kiss. <laughs> You want Wincest? Look, I like it. Like We've talked about that? this before. You're like you're Castiel. It's like ca- the Castiel stuff. You're like, that's fine. <laughs> but you're like, no, no, no. No incest. Yeah. I draw the line at incest. I think a lot of people do. I don't think that's controversial. What about Shadowhunters? Hmm? That's still weird. And they're not even related, even though in the original manuscript, Cassandra Clare wrote them as actual brother and sister. I'm not kidding. I found this out. Cassandra Clare wrote them as actual brother and sister, and her publisher came back and were like, look, there's just, there's no way. You gotta make this not incest. We can't publish a YA novel with incest we can't well and so then they but they so there is a point in this show at least i don't know i don't remember in the books but in the show at least where it is revealed that they're biological brother and sister now that turns out not to be true 
Yeah. But they think that's they're in biological the books too. for a while. That's in the books too. They think that they're biologically related and then they find out that they're not. So like they, they're together. They're not a cute couple anyway, then, so none of this matters. No. But they're together ish and that oh my god. No kiss. <laughs> it's also I also forgot like how tall Jared Padalecki is, the guy who plays Sam. Because mm. he is really tall. But like watching the show, it he makes Jensen Ackles, Dean, look short, and Jensen Ackles is six one. Jeez, and I did he, not like, know that. Yeah, like it it makes it look like Jensen Ackles is like five eight. Yeah, I would have guessed you're he's looking like five, eight. at yeah because you're looking at Jared Padalecki thinking he's just normal like at like just an above average heighted person. So you're thinking Jared Padalecki is like six one. Or six foot, and Jensen Ackles is like five eight. But no, Jared Padalecki is like six five. He's just a giant, and everybody else is average heighted in the show. It's crazy, but the show is bad. It's it's <laughs> it's get it's starting to get rough. It's getting rough in the way it was getting mm-hmm. rough the last time I watched it, and I'm like trying really hard to power through, just because it's comfortable. And I, I wanna, don't uh, yeah. want to get bummed out. I mean, quit if you want, say if you want, though. But I would be interested if you kept going with it because I'm curious as w- where some of the storylines end up going. I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna try <laughs> just so we can continue talking about this, so that I can tell you any craziness that happens. Because I just, after the Leviathan and the Word of God thing and trying to close hell, I don't know what they could have done after it's that. So- it Is it just, like, four more apocalypses? Like, what I the fuck? Know. Space. Time. Like, they've already, they've done time! <laughs> Dean's gone back in time twice now, two separate occasions. Their grandfather came forward in time once. Like, they've, they've done time. Time's happened. I'm, I'm running to Power Rangers, and it's like, they just, it's like after Time Force and Space Force and also they're like, okay, uh, they're in dinosaurs. They're samurai now. Like, they just make up shit. They're just like, okay. And um, I just, I don't understand how this was sustained for 15 seasons. They've already stopped the apocalypse twice. Yeah. Yeah, that Tumblr fan base really kept that show alive, man. Whew. Shit. Um, can I, can I go? Or... Do you yeah, have no, some more stuff. Okay. I, I don't. So I, I finished, I made sure to finish it all today because I was close. So I was like, I need to just finish it to have it for the podcast. Legend of Korra, which I've talked about oh, okay. earlier. So there's, I had restarted it. Um, and I caught up to where I was before, basically last time I talked about it. So now I saw further. And so what I'd said about that was that season one is very good. It's four seasons. Season one is very good. Season two, though, is where that's where everyone has trouble, and that's where I quit originally. And that one actually has this apocalyptic problem sort of thing, where the storyline just gets so big, so like mm. world, but and but it's like not interesting because the characters themselves aren't that that interesting. Um, but yeah, they they solve that seasonal arc, but like it's literally the second, like literally the first episode of season three, and it's excellent again. Like, the show, it, season three, is phenomenal. Actually, I would say season four is a little bit worse, um, but still a good finale. But, like, season three was just so good. So I told you the premise of the um, story before was Last Airbender was four, four nations representing the four elements, live in a world, it's in chaos, the Avatar has, who can control all four elements, um, tries to do it. In Korra, 
we now have technology has moved ahead enough that there's like big cities and it's like the jazz age basically is what we're looking at. So very Fitzgerald. Um, and what is really cool about it is that each villain not only represents an element. So, th- so in the first series, most of the villains, although there's like little episodes, but the big, big villain is the fire nation. So fire is the bad guys. But in this one, each season is basically represented by a different not fire, a different not fire tribe and how they can be evil, how their philosophy can become evil. And so season three really rocks it because that it's the air villain. So um, basically, I, this is almost giving too much away, but we know by the beginning of Korra that there are more air. So Aang in the original was the last airbender, but we know now that there's new airbenders which shouldn't in a certain way shouldn't have been possible um but basically there's a villain who's an airbender and he truly believes in the philosophies of airbenders who are all monks like who are all religious monk figures but he takes that to be like you know we have to get rid of our worldly desires be like the wind he takes these philosophies to mean that anarchy should reign that the natural order and everyone living with it like in the wind is how things do. So he starts like this rebel gang who, no, I mean, he, it, it ends up the whole rebel gang had been started like 30, many, many, many years ago and he had led it or whatever. But anyways, but, but they have this philosophy of, of anarchy. And so they go around the world, um, causing it. And it's just, I loved that idea that they took this Elmo, which has always been this like spiritual, the most beautiful people, um, tragedy and just show how it can be. Uh, villainized and then it's just a really cool like elite team basically his team is one of each of the other elements and so it's like just a team of w- a super powerful person of each element just doing their thing and so it's just it's just awesome to watch because you're just like it's the fucking like awesome villain team because um, they, they each so it's like the the earthbender the person who can move earth which is standard power or whatever his thing is that he's an earthbender who can actually move lava so he like just magma's people constantly and it's like just way <laughs> more scary but yeah so that that season was just so good and then in the last season they introduce a character who um basically the biggest nation in the world the earth nation which sort of represent by china or like a parallel to china and then japan was fire nation it's this huge nation and it's um because of all sorts of things that have happened in the show it's been um dissolved as a nation and needs to get reunified. So this woman who believes in the reunification, she has all this technology backing her and all stuff, but she basically takes it too far. And she's like, unification is what matters and doing that. And so she starts doing it at any cost. She's like, what, mm. you know, what do I have to do to get people to obey and bring unity? But it's true that their previous leadership and how things were, they, they had a previous leader who was terrible. And then they were in anarchy, which was also terrible because it basically they were run by warlords and that's what she's cleaning up. But in doing so, she, you know, she uses this rhetoric, which historically it was a rhetoric that many leaders use, right? Of the great unification of, you know, going from town to town and being like, I can bring, you know, peace and stop the bandits and stop the bad things, but at what cost? So it's, mm-hmm. it's all just this not season, what's it called? Like this new series, Legend of Korra, as opposed to the original. It really brings in really cool, fresh new ideas. The characters are great. And it's just a great evolution 
of the show. And I'm so glad I finally got past that big hump in season two where I had to drop it because season two is a mess. Um, but it's totally worth it. So that was, I was crying today. Like I, by the end, I was just like, yeah, I just loved it. Not because the ending itself though. It was actually like before the ending, but it was good. It's now time for the secret to be revealed. The secret that's already in the title and the description. Yes. Yes. So. Big surprise. We watched Happiest Season with Kristen Stewart and Mary Steenburgen, Victor Garber, Dan Levy, Aubrey Plaza, and Alice. So many people. Couldn't tell you the name of the other main girl, though. Which one? Harper. The girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I thought you did mention... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know her. No, I didn't. Um, I mentioned literally everyone else but Harper and Jane because I already forgot Jane's name. Um, Harper I, was Mackenzie Davis and Jane was Mary Holland. And it was uh, directed by Clea Duvall? Clea Duvall, yes. Yeah. I just didn't know how to pronounce her first name. Um, she was in Carnival. Oh. That HBO series Carnival, I think. Yeah. Um, and, oh, she was in The Handmaid's Tale? Sorry, I'm looking at her IMDb now. Yeah, she was in The Faculty. Oh, my God. That terrible, terrible movie with Josh That Hardnett. would be a fun movie to do at some point. That would be a fun movie to do. I that would definitely I, do that movie. I like that movie. And I was saying, I really was like, oh, I'm into this. Um... I liked this movie, firstly, and you know this right from the trailer, so because it's a new, it's like a genre twist, right? It's a new type of movie. We haven't gotten, to my knowledge, like a Christmas movie with gay characters. And so it's... Well, Hallmark did one this year. Oh, did they? Yeah, sure. But... Yeah. So, um, it was, it was, it was good. It was solid. I, I had a really, um, fun time with it. It brought me joy, uh... Which is good. Which is what a Christmas movie should do. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was. There were aspects of it that I didn't love. I The, the acting sometimes really grated me. So that's... I think that was my big detractor. But like, yeah, it's like too I get che- It's like... Not cheesy isn't the right word, but like too... They just said stuff. And I'm just like, that's so unrealistic and stupid. Like, I don't know. Really? You have a problem with dialogue that's unrealistic? Oh my god. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, the acting was kind of grating sometimes. I don't disagree with you. Um, also, just Harper sucks. Yeah. Like, she's the worst. And you're supposed to, like... Yeah, they didn't really have, like, good chemistry. Of, just, well, they didn't, have, they didn't have terrible chemistry. But, like, yeah. Harper as a character, as a girlfriend was so shitty and like i get it she was going through like a lot of stuff totally understand like tons of things that i will never have experience with and will never understand so like i can't judge her reaction to certain situations but like i don't know i got really aggravated with like the scene after she stayed out till like two in the morning at the bar, like she leaves mm-hmm. Abby, her girlfriend. Abby's like, I'm going to go home. She's like, I'm just going to stay here for a little bit, but I'll let you know when I get home. Like, don't worry. I won't be long. 
Abby goes back to her parents' home. I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. And stays there. And Harper stays out with her ex-boyfriend until after two in the morning. And then Abby goes to check on her to, like, the next day to make sure that she's okay. After essentially being abandoned in a city that she doesn't know to stay at another person's home that don't like her. And then... Harper, like, gaslights her and, like, guilt trips her and makes her feel like shit for, like, being concerned about her. And then gets jealous when Abby makes a friend and then treats her like shit for that. Yeah. It's like, she's just, there are a lot of choices that she made that she didn't need to make that made her, that pushed it from, like, her being in a really complicated and difficult situation with her family to her just being a shitty partner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that no, I agree. frustrated that was me. Definitely, and I'm not even saying it's, like... You hit the, the nail on the head with, that was the weirdest thing. Because a lot yeah. of the other stuff can be chalked up to her just feeling, like, that she needs to stay closeted. So that's, like, the premise of the show, that they're going back to her parents' place, who are, like, uh, her dad's, like, a conservative politician. And so their family has to have this, like, perfect image. And so she hasn't come out, even though she's, like, 30-something in this movie, probably. I think they're supposed to be in their late 20s, because, like, Abby's doing her PhD and stuff. So I think they're supposed to be late 20s. You just think Harper looks really old. (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think they're supposed to be late 20s, given, like, what they're doing in life and stuff. But, like, A, I don't... Like, she accidentally invites Abby to come home with her for the holidays because she got swept up in the Christmas season and the excitement and the love and whatever. And then realizes, fuck, I haven't come out to my parents. And sort of tries to, like, neg Abby into not wanting to go. Like, oh, I sprung this on you. You hate the holidays. I put too much pressure on you. You shouldn't come. Abby's like, I want to go. Like, I'm excited. I'm really excited to, like, start Mm -hmm. our lives together. So she goes. Harper has every opportunity to tell her I'm not out to my family and waits until they're, like, a fucking hour away from the house. They're over halfway, like, to her parents' place. And then she just, like, springs it on her. By the way... I'm not out, and then guilts Abby into still coming and just pretending to be her straight roommate. So not only does Abby have to pretend they're not in a relationship, Abby has to pretend she isn't gay. And that's fucked up. Yeah, I think the weird character tension, like, I, I, you're probably not going to agree with me here, but it's like, I almost feel like I could like Harper's character if it wasn't that Abby, like Kristen Stewart's character, is actually like very likable and 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 charming and all this stuff and other characters in it are good too like Aubrey Plaza's character Riley can't Riley yeah they're they're just all right so Harper's someone who's given like it almost feels like the writer or the director like really felt themselves in the character so they gave them like the flaws that they want forgiven in themselves or something into that character mm. but like everyone else kind of gets too shiny of a gloss so you're not like you you see the flaws in Harper like way more harshly. Because you don't see other characters being flawed, really. I don't disagree. I think I or sorry, I disagree because <laughs> I think they, I think they made the parents seem very flawed. They created this hyper competitive environment. Yeah, but that they're like obviously supposed to be like the problem. 
So, but they also yeah. made um, whatever the hell her sister that wasn't Jane right. Was, oh yeah, Allison Sloan. Brie. Yes, Sloan. They made her seem very flawed. Yes, like there you were. There were flaws in other characters. They just like aside from and and this might be what you're picking up on. Really, aside from Harper, the only queer character, like she was the only queer character mm-hmm. that had flaws. Yeah. Whereas like. Abby was very, like, charming and sweet and personable. You really understood her frustrations, why she was upset. Even when you see her, like, befriend Riley, there's never any, like, romantic or, like, betrayal kind of undertone there. It Mm -hmm. seems like a genuine friendship. Riley doesn't seem like she's trying to manipulate the situation. She doesn't seem like she's trying to, like get back at Harper by sleeping with her girlfriend. Nothing like that happens. Like, um, John, Dan Levy's character. Yeah, Dan character. It's just awesome the whole time. Is adorable well, and wonderful. He kills the fish, but I mean, whatever. Um, it's <laughs> no, such a super- You're right. It's such a superfluous a side joke. thing that I no. had to point it out to you. You didn't even notice. Um, yeah. Well, I thought he, I thought he was literally taking a live fish and just he's like i'm done with this fish no could you imagine he's just slaughtering them um but like yeah so like all of the all of the queer characters didn't seem problematic mm-hmm. other than harper so i i think that also kind of makes it a little bit more jarring because like all the straight characters are flawed other than jane who's just weird and all the queer characters are mostly great. And then there's just Harper, who... I I think I would feel for her more if the struggle was really around her just, like... And, like, all of the problems that were created in the relationship were solely based on the fact that she's just, like, not ready to come out. Mm-hmm. But the, like, gaslighting the and the stuff, manipulation yeah. and, like the weird flirting with her ex-boyfriend, like all of these weird things that she, like abandoning Abby in a foreign place, all of these things make her incredibly unsympathetic. Mm-hmm. And that goes beyond like the fear of coming out. Those are just flaws in her as a person. So it's hard yeah. to be sympathetic to her struggle and it's hard to want to see her succeed because she's just like she's really genuinely like shitty to Abby. Yeah. There are okay. This is all true. But there are awesome characters or uh, and awesome moments in the movie that we should point to. I think we've started way too on way too negative a note for this because it's actually pretty fun um or or good. Dan Levy is awesome throughout and he has one of the best scenes for sure. Oh my um, god, the entire movie is worth it for this like amazing monologue scene. I think we were both cr- like crying a bit during it. A little bit, yeah. The, the whole movie is worth it for this. I'm not going to give anything away, but the whole movie is worth it for this like one moment between Dan Levy, John, and Kristen Stewart's character, Abby, where they're just like outside having a conversation. And it's just so sweet and and loving and caring and it's just like a beautiful friendship moment of like true understanding Mm -hmm. and yeah just it's a it's just a a very true monologue too 
just mm-hmm. about life. That That is true to my own experience. One of the coolest parts, I think, is like this like weird parallel storyline that's happening in the background with the third sister, Jane, the whole time, which is just hilarious and fun. And like, she's not the main story at all. Like, she's almost irrelevant to the main story, but yes. she has this like, f- like the fabulous life of like sort of happening in the background as like the most. So the two other daughters are like stars in their own ways um, for the family, at least in their in their fake lives. Um, but then this third sister had been like sort of given up on. And so she's kind of like, she just tries to help out and like do her own thing and like enjoy life. And, uh, as she says, she's not fancy like other people. She dresses weird. She talks about things weirdly. She inter, like, she socializes awkwardly. But, and you're just like, oh, this, she's a very weird, like that's, she's like, she feels like Aubrey Plaza, like in most other things. But right. Yeah. Except for this. (laughs) Yeah. So um, very grounded Aubrey Plaza performance in this movie. And so, you know, you're just like, oh, like what's, you know, going on? But like by the end, oh, I just loved it. I loved her oh my God. like breakthrough. Her journey is excellent. And I love, there is one particular line in this movie where Mary Steenburgen says the only reason Jane is okay is because we gave up on her when she wouldn't stop biting in preschool which is both hilarious and really depressing but it gives you like a really clear understanding of what these parents were like and what being Mm -hmm. raised by them was like it was like immediately they knew jane wasn't going to be in their minds their idea of successful or like perfect looking so they just abandoned her and put all of the pressure on sloan and harper to be like these pinnacles of perfection and like shine for the family in like the public life. So you have Sloan who was a lawyer and on a partner track and gave it up because she wanted to be a wife and a mother, which is perfectly respectable. But now the only thing she's valued for is the fact that she has children. She's given them grandkids. So anytime the parents interact with her it's to show off the children and they don't want they don't have any interest in like the new career that she started Mm -hmm. and harper's value is that she is career focused so anytime they interact with her it's only to talk about her career Mm -hmm. so it's this weird dichotomy where like sloan's character sees harper as the favorite because she's valued beyond her her body essentially she's valued beyond like the children she can birth but harper has to hide her entire like personal life and her personal interactions unlike her sister who she sees can have this like family so it's kind of an interesting dichotomy yeah i you know i like the movie i think i think it's nice too that the movie isn't a dedicated christmas movie like I feel like a movie like Elf, like, it's hard to watch Elf any other time. But I feel like this movie, it's it's still hard. It's still, it's still clearly a Christmas movie. But the, I think the storyline is more of a general um, general drama or something uh, storyline. Yeah. And so it's nice in that way. But it might not fulfill for some people like that. that Chris, like, it doesn't have enough of that Christmas joy, maybe, that people are looking for. It's not that funny. And it's not, like, it's not super romantic either in the sense of like everything works out perfectly 
um, mm-hmm. things. So it's definitely like yeah. a little more no, grounded in reality than your yeah. average Christmas movie. And so that that sort of confused me at the beginning. I didn't know quite where the movie was going, where it was like navigating, but I liked it for what it is. Like I really liked. I you know I think it's a movie you can really appreciate anytime. Yeah, I mean, it it feels more like it's a movie that takes place at Christmas rather than it being, like, a true Christmas movie. Because it's really the fact that it's Christmas or Christmas season is just a plot device so that they have a reason for these two people going back to, like, the parents' home. Mm -hmm. You know, like, this is an expected time where children would return to their family home for Christmas. Right. So this is an excuse for why she has to go and why she wants Abby to be there. But it's it's other than that, it's kind of superfluous. Like, it doesn't need to be at Christmas for this to occur, but it makes sense to drive the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I, I think that's all I want to say about, um, yeah, say about it. Yeah, no, I, I think... I'm I'm glad we got a gay Christmas movie. It's good. I mean, the cast is just stacked, so that's always Kristen awesome. Kristen Stewart is a fucking queen. Oh yeah, we didn't talk. She looked amazing. Oh my God. This entire she's movie, a, unreal. This whole just movie, she's a, a style icon. The only, the only, the only time <laughs> the that cardigan. she wasn't was that fucking cardigan <laughs> when they went to dinner because she looks. Your dreams have been broken. Like an old lady, she looks like an old lady. It's a weird outfit. It is a weird outfit. It's not cute. But every other outfit, especially her last outfit at the Christmas party, is just like, oh my god, she's so, she just looks so great. And Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza looks amazing through the entire movie, too. Ugh. I love them both. I wonder if Dan Levy will do characters that aren't just David. (laughs) Just David a little grown up. It's also like, is David even a character, or is it just like just Dan, a an o like a little bit over the top version of just Dan? I mean, I've seen him in tons of interviews at this point, and like, yeah, David is just him. Yeah, like it's just a right? little bit like, more of I, a charmed version. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's not that he's not a good actor. I think he is a good actor, mm-hmm. but I, I do think he's kind of just playing up himself. Yeah, but I also think his dad did that. Like, I don't think Eugene Levy True. is is really not being Eugene Levy in anything he's in. Like, he's always kind of the same character, just like different versions. Yeah. Whereas Catherine O'Hara and Moira is like quite a Catherine quite a O'Hara is a fucking goddess. That's I true. love Catherine O'Hara in everything. Beetlejuice, it, iconic. Mm-hmm. That's actually yeah, more younger Moira Rose, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. But she's iconic in it. Yes. She's amazing. I love Catherine O'Hara. Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Catherine O'Hara. Iconic. No, I mean, she's she's amazing. She's terrific. You know what? If anything, watch Shit's Creek. This movie's great, but just watch Shit's Creek. I mean, yeah. That's Christmassy in itself. There is Christmas episodes. Yeah. There are Christmas um, episodes, and it's and just, tremendous. It, it has that, yeah, utopian type of feeling you want. It's with, amazing. Yeah, a great family. I will say the first season for some people is a little tough. Power through the first season. Hmm. I think I think it's funny. I think the first season in many ways is funnier than a lot of later seasons, but it's a little bit know, lacking the wholesomeness. That's the thing. A lot of people went into it and when they start the first season think that this show is going to be about these insufferable rich people just complaining right. about not having money. 
Yeah. And it's and it's going to be like super tone deaf around these like more rural, more working class folks. And it's it's it is like that at first, but that first season is set up for so much amazing character growth. Yes. So like power through that first season because it is the most like one of the most incredible shows I've ever seen. And I'm not a sitcom person by any means, and it's just it's so good. I might rewatch It's Creek next. <laughs> I'll probably yeah. cry. I if I could rewatch again. it again, I would. I just have already been through it all three times. I'm like, I need to yeah. live my life. No, that's fair. That's uh, I, fair. But no, I, it, I it's truly my favorite show of recent times. There are more episodes than I care to admit that have made me cry in that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both happy and sad tears, but mostly happy, mostly happy tears. But yeah, I think that's all, folks. Yeah, our, our crazed energy has kind of died. I know. I've okay. lost it. I've lost it. I'm a, I'm coming down now. I'm sleepy. Oh my god, dude. This is going to be such a short episode. Our crazy energy made this ramp so hard that we've only been recording an hour. <laughs> and I have I, nothing else to say. No, it's I mean, I purposely... Because, I, you know, I didn't want you to stay up too late, so... I was kind of pushing on my end. And I and I knew you didn't have too much media, which is usually a big... Yeah, that's usually the, our big helping. But I also feel like this isn't our usual genre to cover. <laughs> I said nothing about Into the Spider-Verse. I'm just like, it was a movie I watched. Goodbye. I know. You're like, I just wanted to let everyone know that I also think it was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, okay. Because I'm like, I, I was like, what do I have to say? But I'm like, it honestly just is a really good movie. And I have nothing specific to like say about yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Yep. All right, I'm going to stop the recording. Oh, outro. No, we have to outro. Jesus Christ. It's like you forgot how to do this. Oh my God. Thank you for listening to our insane ramblings. This was not one of our better episodes. Please (sighs) choose a different one so you get a better idea of how intelligent we can sound. Please. Although this one was probably our funniest one. Um, You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, it's yeah. at fans lab pod. And if you want to follow our individual Twitters, they are linked there because I forget our usernames. So check that. Manic pixie dreamscape episode. Yes. Complete. Please enjoy our weird coked out ramblings and send us your movie recommendations. We usually do genre films, but clearly we don't discriminate at this point. So. <laughs> Send us whatever, I guess. Bye. Bye.